3: With John
4: Tolshie,
0: live.
4: Myth and the man and Stephen who he was. The hero of the film is racing in this scene. That's what it's about.
5: We had the star. We had the drivers. We had an incredible array of technical support. We had everything, except the
6: script. He's heard that the the script isn't entirely finished. We're waiting for the end of the race to
7: finish the script, to finalize the script. But we do want to adjust our story to the
8: way things happen that we actually photograph. It's common in Hollywood to start without a script. It's not the right way, it's not the economic way, but it's common. And anybody who says it's not hasn't been there. They had done it once before, Sturgis, McQueen,
9: and my father. They had done it on The Great Escape. And it turned out well. And after Bullet, my father said the studio would have written him a blank check just to produce the phone book if he wanted to. We have the best
4: people in the business with us. Bob Lillian's is uh, our executive producer. Uh, John Sturges is our director. Is probably uh, is the biggest director in America. And is probably one of the best in the world. So with all those things going for us, uh, plus Steve McLean and Lamont, I think uh, you've got a picture that's going to make an awful lot of money and make a lot of people happy. Yeah. This is the story of racing, man. This is the guts. The glasses. Glasses, glasses all right. That's okay. all right. Okay, okay. You okay, got motor racing. And you got Steve McQueen. What do you got? You got everything. Le Mans
10: was going to be our number one picture for the year. It was a sure thing for Hollywood. This could not miss.
3: It's the oldest, most famous race in the world. As you arrived at Le Mans
7: and
11: come up beside the cathedral, suddenly the adrenaline was starting to get in your stomach. That was when I realised there was the Le Mans. I knew we were driving into the unknown. You're going to be driving it at speeds that a racing car's never been before. It was terrifying.
12: flowing circuits. Very dangerous. But all circuits were dangerous. When I started racing, no one was right about safety. I mean, almost every race I went to, someone was killed. Sometimes two or three people. Life was cheap.
1: Those cars weren't very safe. They were light. Sharp knives. If you had an accident, they cut you to pieces. The car catches on fire, and that's the end of it. We have trouble.
13: We have trouble. How did these lives? See this smoke There
1: is a problem. You don't have time
7: to make two decisions. You have time only to make one. That must be right. You are sitting in a motor car that maybe has 600 horsepower and 30 gallons of gasoline. So you know that if you crash this vehicle on impact. This could be disastrous.
12: There's nothing very glamorous about racing, except when you're winning. You get to the end of the race. You're leading the race. You're almost in tears of laps, just hoping you can get across the line. Here they come,
13: towards the checkered flag, Ford wins the 1969 24 hours of Le Mans.
12: And you don't get a situation like that in life very often, you know.
14: You like speed, don't you?
13: Hmm?
14: You, you like speed, don't you?
15: Ah, nice. It's, it's cold.
8: The original
4: idea was for Steve to drive Lamont's, the actual 24 hours.
8: The real question here is, this is Steve McQueen, and we are wondering whether or not Steve McQueen will run in the race.
7: I weren't so rotten inside for money. I would probably tell them to Si j'était
10: pas horriblement euh, intéressé par l'argent,
7: je leur aurais dit d'aller au diable. But I need the money to make the
6: film. Mais j'ai
10: besoin de l'argent pour faire ce film.
6: They won't raise the money. And he's in court for 24 hours minimum.
12: It was too big a risk
11: and if something were to happen to him in the actual race that would put the film on hold and probably never get done. That's how much it meant to him. He gave up his shot at competing at Le Mans
7: for the
4: sake of the film. Well, the insurance company won't let Steve drive in the race, as he told you. We're going to be covering the race itself very extensively with cameras everywhere, And we expect to work approximately three months afterwards, staging the picture.
15: ready the camera car for the race.
11: My real contribution was driving the camera car during the actual race. It was the car that Steve and Peter Revson had finished second at Sebring, and then they converted it to carry three cameras, one in front, two at the back.
5: When the camera car was being fixed up at the mall, Steve was all around that, and you could see written all over his face, I want to be sitting where you are sitting and to take this race on.
11: leaders, so you'd photograph them coming up behind you, and then switch to the front one on to catch them overtaking you and pulling away. Unless they'd
12: had all the footage that they got, they could have never made the film. They were brilliant. The camera car was bringing to the screen what
7: a driver would see. Cars passing at speed,
11: cars dicing, all part of the vision. Here it is.
16: We were laughing again over men, women, white and the years in between. didn't seem the long time. when I smiled. In your mind, you know why this was starting. We had so many similarities. And I started to see. We were raised by mothers who really were not particularly ready to be mothers. Our fathers left us. We built a career together. We had children together, and we were married for a very long time. You're walking along the street, or you're at a party, or else you're alone, and then you suddenly dig. My
7: mom, I don't know how old she is now, she won't tell me, but she still does her act. There's
16: no controlling the unrolling of my faith, my friend, too. knows what's written in the man.
7: My parents met in the 50s. She was a star on Broadway. And she's good at what she does and she enjoys it. She loves it. I sure did like her. I thought she was the sexiest girl I ever saw in my life. I guess it was ever a thing of uh, falling in love with a girl at first sight. I guess that was it because, boy, I sure had to chase her for a long time.
16: destiny to be together I walked out of Carnegie Hall and he came right to me and he said hi you're pretty and I was stunned and I said well uh, you're pretty too
7: my home for three months, man. The people I guess my dad or solar rented it from, they lived on that floor there, and they had kind of a nutty daughter, if I remember. We pulled in here, and she was chasing a chicken around, and she had a fucking axe in her hand, and she grabbed it and cut its fucking head off right in front of us. It was the first time I ever saw a chicken running around with no head right here. I had come from Brentwood,
16: I didn't want to go to Le Mans. However, because Chad had been doing badly in school, I said, okay, if you improve your grades, we'll go. And uh, he did. So I had to go.
7: I used to wait right out here. I see Dad's Porsche coming up.
13: I you your hair was a like that hurts,
16: our children came along, everything changed. Everything changed. He was almost 40. There was suddenly free sex and love and free this and free everything. He said to me one day, he said, I have to work so hard for love in this house. He said, I can get it for free out there.
14: His conquest of women behind his wife's back probably averaged about a dozen women a week. It was a little less than two a day. They wanted to say, I had sex with Steve McQueen.
4: He loved cars, liquor, women, and he was interesting and cool and dangerous. See, they liked the danger in him. Whatever Steve's activities might have been when he had a break in the afternoon, so to speak,
3: uh, you know, uh, his trailer was never empty.
16: I came from a royal dramatic school in Stockholm and I was there for the
3: job. Only few like. He had something hidden. Uh,
16: maybe that also made him attractive on the screen. And that's something, as a woman, that's something I want to get to know. I
1: don't know who cast her. I think Steve had an eye for her. She appealed to him. She was an attractive lady.
16: My respect for him was not as big as his for me. We shared this thing about the accident.
0: I had worked for Steve about two years, almost, before we did Le Mans. I was involved more with the car racing and other personal matters.
16: I had dinner together with Steve and the count and the countess from whom he rented this castle in which he was living, he would drive me home.
0: It was like 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. And Steve comes into my room and says, Come on, we got to go. Where are we going? Why don't we go tomorrow? I'm tired. I haven't slept. He told me to screw myself and said, What are you worried about? You're only 21. You'll sleep when you die. I never knew her name. I never got introduced. And it wasn't just any night. It was my first night arriving in France.
16: I sat down next to him in the front seat. He was not driving a Porsche, he was driving a Peugeot or something like that.
0: He was driving like a maniac. It started to rain. And I keep telling him to slow down and he keeps telling me to shut up.
16: Suddenly, there was a He drove it and we rolled over the field.
0: I remember them smashing their heads into the windshield. I went flying. I remember looking at my arm holding on as we were crashing down and it just broke. I could see it snap. Out. And I remember reaching up and opening the door and pushing the door open and cut.
3: He hmm?
16: thought that I was dead because I was lying there.
3: The water, the
0: light rain, woke him up. And he said, what the fuck happened? Holy shit, what have I done? Oh, my God, she's dead. Is she dead? And my arm's like this. I'm mean, just hanging. And she comes to. She seemed okay, not too bad. He didn't have a scratch.
16: They didn't dare to call an ambulance. Because uh, they didn't want this to get uh, official, of course.
0: We saw a little farmhouse. There's a car there. Let's go hot wire. And all of a sudden we heard the dogs barking. And this French guy comes out in a pyjama... And he's got a shotgun, an
3: old big gun in his hand, and he's screaming in French something. My makeup girl in the morning, she didn't know. She asked me what I had bruises, but they were
16: not too big, and I said, ah, well, you know. The production team, so to say, must have known about it. Well,
10: I I know that there was an accident, but I I don't want to go there. I don't want to go
0: there. I took the raft they said that i was the one who caused the problem but the fact that steve was with the girl was never revealed. you just have to protect steve it's no big deal nobody got killed don't worry about it it's part of our jobs
16: what would have happened if it had been on the headlines just before we started shooting the movie saying Seeing the Queen, the great driver, he had an accident with, with young actress. I mean, could you imagine? He was so afraid that I could see how scared he was that I would ruin him and his production. He said to me, I'd appreciate if you don't talk about this. So I said Nope, I won't.
15: The cars pass through the sleepy French towns and countryside. A strange slow parade of muttering monsters.
9: Queen was trying to achieve something that hadn't been done in mainstream films about a sport that he had a true passion for. He really wanted to break through and do a film that was as authentic as you could possibly get.
10: He wanted to put the person in the theater, put them in the seat of a race car. He wanted them to feel what he felt as a driver himself. That was always his
9: intent. Yes, uh, I think this is the first time this sort of a production has been undertaken. Yes, it is. This is the uh, first time anything like a racing film. Things with this car and the mounts on, and the cameras on, that have never been used before. They're entirely new mounts. It's an entirely new concept of the way to shoot a, race, a racing film.
4: So far, everything is going so beautifully; it's almost unbelievable.
7: achieve camera mounts on automobiles that never before I've I've ever thought of being used. To be able to get the feeling of speed on film helping us crash what we call the film barrier.
12: When Steve
7: talked about breaking the film barrier he was using language that Hollywood
12: didn't use.
7: Nobody ever thought of doing it that way. But he was trying to do was give the total visual experience I'll tell you Steve was ahead of his time with his vision
9: as far as reality films are concerned that's where it's at that's where it should be
7: He wanted it shot at race speeds we are going 240 in the race, we're doing 240 in every shot we do. Every driver that was on that picture, I mean, they were risking their lives every single day they were there.
1: These scenes that they shot were choreographed. You had to do a ballet out on the track and do what the director had asked you to do.
14: making of the film was in many ways a lot more dangerous than the race. And Steve did also not have much of a sense of danger. So everything was pushed to the extreme.
4: Now we're going 220 miles now. Now we're diced. Now we're setting up a shot, not what might happen consciously to a driver in his mind. At a certain spot, we're asking drivers to do this.
7: the car sort of just exploded, sort of went up in flames in my face. And in the period that it took to unfasten the seatbelt and climb out the door,
11: it's I got burnt. I just got very burnt around here. It could have been a lot worse, you know, I mean, it could have been... I could have been dead. So Put his butt on the line, let's put it that way. Every day we shot with him in the car.
7: How can I get this shot? That's Stephen Queen. That's the loner with the dream. If you have this unlimited film barrier that you want to crash through, you're going to be worried about if you're going to die in the
3: process. In the film, I played the race car driver, I drove for Ferrari, and
15: Steve drove for Porsche. I do some, uh, some paintings. You need a place where you are by yourself. And of course, uh, Steve is here too, you know. Steve always did it different. We were talking about reading, and I said, I don't like reading too much. I mean, I read my scripts and, oh, I don't like either, he said. I only read one book in my life, he said. A book about Alexander the Great, and I was very impressed by one sentence, he said. I conquered the world, but I didn't conquer myself. Who are you, especially
3: as an actor? You ask yourself, who are you really? Sometimes I had the feeling he was always searching for something.
7: My feeling had always been that the racing world is no less creative in expression than the film itself. It's only an oddity because of the blood sport.
16: He wanted to leave his scratch marks on the history of filmmaking. I'm a driver, I'm an actor, and a filmmaker.
0: Entre chaque tour de piste, Sturgis et McQueen discutent du scénario. He was quasi-directing. He would say, look, it'd be great to get a shot like this. It caused quite a bit of conflict with John Sturgis.
4: This will be a serious film, and since the sense that romantic interest will be kept down to a minimum, this will concentrate on sport car racing and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. Is that right? Well, I'll go with you that we concentrate on the race. Yes, whether anything else is kept to a minimum or not, no. Oh no. Steve was
5: an executive producer. He outranked Sturgis. This was not the same McQueen that worked with Sturgis on The Magnificent Seven or The Great Escape. You've got to believe in what you're doing. I believe in what I do.
7: And if I'm shooting my best shot for me, then I'm doing my best for the audience. But my obligation's got to be to myself. To me, he
6: became the character which I described to him in the mantra. He made his own rules. He knew his own right and wrong. He didn't have to answer to anybody. If you. You they tell you you are a genius with sufficient frequency, you start to believe that. And I think most people out there who get that sort of fame have a great deal of difficulty handling it. It
7: was a wild time. It was a a time of great rebelliousness and attempting to overthrow the gods of Hollywood.
16: Jay Sebring was a very good friend of ours. And I liked Sharon Tate. Sharon was married to Roman Polanski at the time and she was pregnant. Jay said, why don't you and Neil come over and have dinner with us? And uh, she said, oh, yeah, sure. I knew I wasn't coming, and I didn't want to go." The bodies will have to be made an examination by the
0: coroner. There's There's no evidence of cause of death? Not that we can say at this time.
7: People
16: kept calling the next day and said, is Steve okay? An employee
6: came to work at 10050 Cielo and found several bodies in the house and
16: then I found out that there had been these murders, and they thought Steve was there.
9: The tentative identification of the person are as follows. Sharon Polanski, Jay Sebring. Steve
1: was supposed to be at the party.
9: Abigail
7: Colger.
6: But
1: he ran into a lady or something and didn't show up.
7: Wojtek Frykowski,
6: and another man who is unknown. Is there anything sprawled
0: on the front door of that house? What? I can't answer that question. How
4: are you doing, Charles? Good. How
16: are you this morning? His name was Charles Manson, and he had a gang of misfits. is
4: badly mutilated. Which I'd rather
16: not discuss. I'd never heard of people being massacred the way they massacred these people. <laughs> it's, a, it's all a
1: play, isn't it? Found his name on the list of other people that Manson wanted to murder. It freaked him out a lot. Dear Eddie, this
16: is Eddie Rubin, our uh, attorney. As you know, I have been selected by the Manson group to be marked for death. In some ways, I find it humorous and in other ways frighteningly tragic, but I must I must consider it may be true. If you could call Palm Springs and have my gun permit renewed, as it is the only sense of self-protection for my family and myself, I'm waiting for an immediate reply. My best, Steve. This was 1970 on the set of the
0: Steve was already what I would call in a heightened state, extremely paranoid. Everything was raised. The levels of craziness, anxiety
3: were heightened. Everything is up. He was never the same at any
16: one point. That marriage was fraying at the seams, you know?
5: When they appeared on set, they appeared arm in arm. They appeared devoted. But you can also see
3: in Neil's expression a certain wariness to the whole situation. He said, by the way, I'm having friends visit me from all over
16: Europe. I said, really, who are they? He said, Well they're mostly women. You know, that really got to me and I remember sobbing away.
3: She was wonderful, she was a smart
0: woman. I would say to him, You're gonna ruin your marriage. What is wrong with you? Until one night
16: I told him I had gotten even with him.
1: Steve asked Neil whether she'd ever had an affair.
16: I said, well, as a matter of fact, I said, yeah, I had. I was the one person in the world that he trusted. The one person he thought he could do anything to, I would never retaliate. For him to hear that coming from me was totally unbelievable to him. He was really, really deeply wounded.
0: It was him, not her. He's the one that just had this hunger.
1: day, he's got to get up and go out and drive a 917 at 200 miles an hour. The whole situation was problematic.
11: I think he wants to do is what we were doing. He wants to be a
7: racing driver. It's a combination of trying to use a motor car and yourself as one complete unit. It's really a biblical connection between the two the man and the machine. 248 miles an hour. Just imagine losing control and hitting that Armco rail. Racing
13: it's
7: life. Anything that happens before or after. Just waiting. That's a good sentence for Steve.
15: Sometimes I had the feeling it is like this. It meant a lot to him. Almost everything. scene where we get out of the car after two hours of driving and of course you sweat you know and the makeup man came and put some water in my face and hair yeah. and he wanted to do this to steve and steve said no, no 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 he stepped in his car he drove a couple of rounds got out of the car he was sweating naturally and he said siggy look at this It's swollen here, the vein. So that is the perfect thing. And the makeup man can't do this. It has to be real. And Steve
7: wanted it like this. As an actor, if you get in a position to be able to have control, or as a filmmaker, you must carry your project carry all the way through to the end. That means you can't give up. You can't let a thing go. And nobody will make a decision for you. Nobody's smarter than you are.
12: There was really no script. I mean, we were winging it. In the meantime, until we got somewhat of a script... We were shooting just footage.
7: Hollywood is a formula they like, and they like to stick to it. They wanted to have more of a love story. My dad wanted cars. And realism.
5: He had a mental picture of a documentary, something that was pared down to give you the total experience of what was going on.
8: People like myself felt Le Monde would make a great background for a dramatic story. That debate caused writers to come and go and take a shot at the script that would make sense. They
11: were called dueling caravans because they were lined up next to each other. Who could get the latest new script on Steve's desk first?
10: He was trying to write the Great American novel when he was trying to write the script. And because the first sentence written wasn't the greatest sentence ever written, he couldn't get himself to that point. Putting it down on paper.
7: Everybody that went to the box office back then said, Oh, he's gonna win it, he's gonna win it. So let's let's throw a little wrench in this. I'm gonna give him something different.
10: Okay walk into this caravan you see this girl you haven't seen in a long time and she looks up at you and says hello what would you say? hello and he said not necessarily that was the lowest point for me I thought we're never going to get a script
6: if I had written the script I know it would have worked It would have worked. I was his boy. I was his writer. His favorite expression is, the son of a bitch knows me. I don't know how, but he knows me. the meeting took place in Steve's home, insisted that the character had to be a loser. And I didn't want to write a loser. You have to remember, I was also a star. I thought I had a right to insist on my position. He just wanted to lose in that movie. And
7: I don't know why. Steve wanted to have something more than just Steve McQueen doing Steve McQueen on film. You're talking about something he wanted to do that was more important than acting.
6: You shouldn't argue with a superstar, even if you helped make him a superstar. I was the highest-paid screenwriter in town when I went to that meeting, and after that meeting, the phone never rang again.
7: so infectious that it screwed me up for life. Since day one, when I got here, I'm like, Dad, can you just give me a ride in one of the race cars? You know, that's all I wanted. Must have been two months went by, and my dad turned the car around. He opened his right door and went like that. So I went around and he sat me on his lap, and I just put my hands inside of his hands, right? For a second he pulled his hands off the wheel and I was staring at nine seventeen at a band. Uh, yeah, baby. Chad is
13: a terrible
16: accident. He hit a wall in Daytona. He's got sixteen screws on his neck and a rod on either side of his spine.
7: I broke everything in my body. And the reason I'm wearing shades is my right eye is still toed in. Uh, I was in a coma for three and a half weeks. Did I say that? Would I change anything? No, I wouldn't. Pretty neat, huh? There is nothing better. Nothing better. I mean, motorsports is the strongest drug in the world.
11: To drive a car in perfect condition to the limit was the most gratifying thing you ever did. It's almost like a ballet with a car going through the corners. It's a thing of beauty.
5: It's a work of art. I went
15: 330 kilometers per hour. The faster I went, the more relaxed I was. But when it's finished, you have the time to think, and then you're glad uh, that nothing happened more.
7: It overtakes drivers without them knowing it. The freedom of an eagle floating in the sky was something that racing brought to him. Whatever that other stuff was that came from his upbringing, he could set that aside. Death is so close, it's right on my shoulder, and yet there's a peace here. And he actually found such joy in that that he wanted to give that
1: Cinema Center, you know, checking in.
4: How are things going over there? Well, not so good. We ain't got no story. We were approximately a million and a half dollars over budget. And the studio was expecting a Steve McQueen movie to bail us out. And we didn't have it. We were going to make the most
10: expensive documentary in the world if somebody didn't talk. Everybody was looking for the
3: same thing. With one exception. With one exception, and that would be Steve McQueen. truth is, we
8: had gone into a rather lengthy debate over the basis of the film.
9: My father went back to his production office and, in a fit of rage, threw a lamp against the wall.
16: He said, this picture's fucking out of control,
9: you know. And it was at that moment that he turned and saw Bob Rosen... Reclining on his couch reading a magazine.
8: Wrong guy was in the room. Bob called the studio and said, We got real problems now. They're falling out among themselves.
10: I don't remember that happening. Could it have happened? Yeah. But it wasn't like a revelation. Everybody knew the picture was out of control
8: Cinema Center's answer was we'll take the picture over now we call the shots and we make the decision we don't care which script you make just make one of them."
16: and you Steve will lose your salary will not get your points you have nothing to do with this picture except act
4: we don't got no pictures
3: Last night, they took the picture away from us. It says, I have read the
7: foregoing and agreed to render services only as an actor in the picture.
3: And then my dad signed his name. in blood it's brilliant
7: it goes uh... it goes in character with my dad i love this shit there's a great deal of compromise involved in movies i suppose and i, I get a bit uh... undone when people try to use me or there's compromises or injustice and uh... i off the handle
9: steve was furious with my father At this point, in McQueen's mind, my father had gone
8: over to the other side of the fence and betrayed him. This racing picture was so close to all of us that when the studio took it over, Mr. McQueen felt that that had put a knife in the heart of the company. And Steve and I uh, did not speak again.
9: You betrayed me, you stabbed me in the back, I'll never talk to you again.
7: Loyalty was a big thing with my dad. If my dad
9: felt in any way that he had been burnt, that was it. I don't think my father betrayed Steve, but I think he felt, again, as a business person, as a professional, that that was going to be the course it was headed for no matter what. Thanks very much, Barbara. Thank you very much, Mr. Sturgis.
10: John came to me and he said, I'm going to quit. And it came about because of the relationship with Steve.
14: John Sturgis was brought in to make a theatrical motion picture with characters and a story in it. The more John tried to have it his way the less ground
4: steve would give him he said i'm too fucking old and rich to put up with this type of shit anymore goodbye
1: now here we are halfway in the production and they don't have a director now what
7: There's a lot of ways a man can be hurt in business. They can hurt your head. They can hurt you financially. They can gut you. Or they can cause that thing to pop up in your throat a couple of times a day. You start thinking about it a little bit.
0: He was nothing but success up to the point of Le Mans. Everything that he did turned
3: to gold. And now Le Mans, everything turned to shit.
5: Steve had walked off the production at that point what would have happened?
7: Call it Ego.
12: Call it his name. It's not good press if the world's number one box office traction walks off a film. A film that meant so much to him.
7: There was no quitting my dad. He had something that he started and he wanted to finish it.
0: Monday morning, and Jerry Henshaw comes in and says, how would you like to go to France? That's how it happened. They had no story. They knew that Steve was never going to win the race. about
7: what they knew? I can see him now with the glasses and that sort of funny hat he wore all the
11: whole time. He wasn't this mogul, this great icon of the movie world. He was a guy called Lee Katzen, who nobody had heard of. Poor old Lee didn't know the front of a car from the back, so that wasn't helpful.
3: The
11: Queen hadn't chosen him, didn't like him, wasn't impressed by him, and he was obliged to work with
4: him. They did a take in the pits, and Lee said, one more, please. Steve got up, and he said, listen, asshole, I'll tell you when we get one more. Move to your next shot, and if I like it, I'll show up. The problems of individuals' egos were there.
3: It wasn't a lot of fun that way. At all.
9: Come on, I want to show you something.
0: Welcome
3: me. I want to get down here cause this is where Dave Piper lost her right in this right hander.
12: We'd been filming in the morning, everything went according to plan, no problem, went to lunch, came back to the circuit and the director wanted the Ferraris to be leading with a Porsche behind. They hadn't decided what the script was going to be and they wanted both options. drove just as I'd driven in the morning, went into this right-hand corner, the back end just went.
3: Had gotten back to the compound that
7: there was a, an accident, and I got that. And I was thinking, geez, I hope it's not my dad. And I hear the triumph pull up. And so, what's going on? He says, I want to show you what can happen in motor racing. I'm calling you to tell you that we've had an accident. David Piper, <laughs> he's been taken to hospital. Ladies. This was all grass, and I remember a couple cows. There was a wheel assembly out, sitting out in the middle of fucking nowhere. Well, he had a crash.
11: He was left bolted onto the engine in the seat, and the rest of the car took off and left him.
12: You can see there's quite a lot of blood coming out of your leg in your overalls. But it's a tremendous relief that you're still conscious and alive. David has been injured, hurt I, I just spoke to
7: the pilot. He will come in at night.
12: Who is my doctor? He said, we're going to have to amputate. I said, well, take it off four inches below the knee and I'll take
3: my chances, you know. My mom took me and my sister to see Dave, and I
7: remember the room was dark, and I remember he had a sheet over him, and you could clearly see that below his knee was gone. I lost
3: it there, so I lost that much. Would your accident have happened if a proper script had been in
12: place? Well, no, it probably wouldn't have done <laughs> Definitely wouldn't have done because they wouldn't have wanted to do the shot twice. It shouldn't have happened.
7: With David Piper, Steve was very, very aware and very worried about it. He'd take it was his fault his film the buck stops
12: at the top mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I never saw him afterwards
3: no just never had happen to see him again you know
7: It took us four months to shoot. It was very difficult. We had a couple of very bad accidents. It was the most difficult film I've ever done.
0: One morning at Solar Village, no one else was there but myself and Steve, and he said, Lee, I see what you're trying to do, and I'm not going to... I'm not going to be against you. I want to work with you. From that time on, it was wonderful.
10: We battered out an outline that Steve agreed to. It took six, eight, ten weeks for this to (laughs) happen. And finally, we got basically what we had in the movie in terms of dialogue.
16: When people risk their lives, shouldn't it be for something very important?
14: He was trying to vindicate the purpose of the film by making sure it was finished and would be a testament to the personal bravery
3: of his most respected pals, the motorizing drivers. was late October or November, and uh, the tree
16: had turning yellow. It should be within 24 hours, everything, you know. So they had to paint the leaves. Ah, my goodness.
9: In November 1970, filming finally wrapped. Three months over schedule
3: and about $1.5 million over budget. was a little melancholy, I think. He said, it's done. The last day of filming, he got out of his car,
7: and he unbuckled his wristwatch and walked over to me and handed me the watch. And he said, I want you to have this.
3: I uh, thank you for keeping me alive all these months. Mine is close to me. I love motor racing. It was a film that was very, very close to me. And we all hope it turns out well. Camera number three, Marker. Camera number four, Marker. Camera number five, Marker. We now have speed on all the
13: cameras. I will call action and it will be a
7: count of ten. If anything happens to me, Allie gets my pickup truck.
13: Hmm. You guys hear me, Allie? All right, the fire, brigade
0: ready. All right.
7: I don't care what anybody else says, I think he was satisfied as a filmmaker and what he had done for this picture.
16: I've never seen the movie. It's too difficult for me. Steve lost his wife, lost his marriage, lost the film, lost everything.
9: that loss at that point in time, I think it really speaks to how deeply he he cared about that project and how it was so tied into his persona and his soul that I think he sensed that if it wasn't going to happen on that film, it wasn't going to happen in his lifetime.
7: Being an actor is a gas. Being a movie star is a pain in the ass. And when that happens, you stop your personal growth that's the thing that I suffered from. When he wanted to give back, Hollywood wasn't there for him. He had this vision that came out of his heart. I don't think any of those other movies came out of his heart.
3: The world just became a different color
16: to him after that film.
5: Clamore is the turning point in his life. When he left Clamore, he turned his back on the sport. The zest he had for driving fast had gone.
7: As far as me moving on myself, I think I'm more into life than cinema. My conception can only be motorcycles and and speed and things like that. I don't want to do that anymore. I don't do it no more.
3: Now I'm clean. It's done. i got to try something else.
7: Do I really want to do this anymore? Do I want to go that fast? And I think with David Piper's accident, an awareness of the vulnerability
3: was in his psyche. What he cared most about in that picture were the drivers. He loved
12: the drivers. Yes, Sid. So many times before in the history of motion pictures, brave men have lost their lives and limbs, and people have forgotten about it. I feel very strongly that we should dedicate the first premiere to David Piper and give all the proceeds to him and his family. Would you please pass this on to the higher-ups? And I do think we owe this to racing for what they gave this film. My best, Steve McQueen. Oh, how wonderful. Gosh, that is terrific. I really lost touch when I was in hospital. You know, I never heard of anything like this. Oh, very nice. Oh, Steve's heart
3: was really in the right place, wasn't it? It's fantastic.
7: I just wanted to get it down on film, what I thought it was all about. And uh, I guess it's going to be up to the audience to decide whether I was right or wrong. Oh, I
16: was a lot of cars. And I was waiting for my sins. (laughs) That's what most actors do that first time they see a movie.
11: I was disappointed. I could never see how it was going to be a roaring success at the time, because there was no script.
7: But then I saw the film two years ago, and I went, God, that's
11: brilliant. It's the most wonderful documentary of one of the most glorious times of motor racing, on the greatest track in the world.
16: from an actor's point of view, lousy. But from his point of view, from a driver's point of view, lovely. And
0: from a car's
16: point of view, beautiful.
13: It gets acclaimed
0: because it's trying to be pure. It's not a Hollywood concoction. But what the film doesn't capture is dramatic storytelling.
15: problems, you know, they vanish in all the years. I think he would have been proud that uh, we did it. Proud that he did it.
10: Now, is a coat is following this picture. People who are into cars revere this film. That's all they want to talk about is Le Mans. It has taken on a life of its own.
7: The thing that Steve did that moved cinema forward was his absolute insistence on authenticity You just have to say, you went
4: for it, guy. I say power to him. They still are not able to capture what we captured inside those cars with the real drivers today. Steve McQueen. He had no fear.
3: When he went to Mexico to get treatment,
4: he had a copy of the film, shipped to Mexico, and showed it to the patients in the hospital.
16: I think it was his last goodbye to everything. He was just a nice man who lost his way along the way and found it back and... uh, Hopefully he's up there having a good time. Like I used to
3: say, safe travel, honey. <laughs> I
7: always get a sense that he's watching me, but uh close your eyes and listen to that. Close your eyes and listen to this again. that's what my dad did bring that to life but I think today he would say oh now you guys finally get it
4: daydreaming. You know, like, you know, when you daydream and you go to sleep? In my life, my daydreams came true.
3: <clears throat> it's just a run of the gas.
2: Five years ago, in the Mexican region known as the Devil's Playground, a very special race took place. More than 200 men and women set out into the Baja Desert, driving their macho machines all day and all night in the longest, toughest, and most dangerous race in the world.
17: really compares with the Baja 1000 in 1969 and 1970 era. It was a family event. You didn't have to be a grand national uh, champion or a Formula One driver to compete and do well in this race. We had one of the first female teams of drivers that were able to run the race. And there was good feeling between the drivers. They would tease each other. They would congratulate each other.
9: Who's Cornelly
0: Jones? Good
17: luck, Pernelli. Cornelly just said, I'd like to just finish, no matter what place I'm coming.
6: James Byrne. Anytime you get two guys on a horse or a bicycle,
7: a tricycle or an automobile or whatever, they're going to race. They're going to see who's the quickest. And they've just made it a little rougher by uh, putting a thousand
4: miles of really bad road in between the start and finish. This
17: morning for breakfast, I had two eggs, over easy, and a half a quart of vodka. It was on dirt roads, uh, across beaches at low tide, areas that uh, equalized the home off-road buggy builder from the corporate uh, manufacturing car companies. not the sophistication that today's races have the teams really got along and uh, joked with each other and had fun at the pit stops it was more the individual as much as it was the machine Somebody got anything to eat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
13: It's getting out, man. It's well, going to be a half hour. hour. go. No, not back to think of.
17: Day in than it is today. It was necessary to know the terrain. There was areas where there was no road. It took a huge amount of logistics to prepare for the race in those days. The uh, aerial work was all controlled by the aerial cameramen. There was no remote heads, no gyros. It was a hand-picked crew. We used sleeping bags and uh the dirt as our bed uh when we were filming. There was no motels or motor homes involved on our part.
2: Film documents the magic moments when man and machine would test their limits in the grueling desert, forging the kind of friendships that would last a lifetime.
17: The participants that really were doing this because they enjoyed it. It was a race that anybody could get into, and it didn't take high dollars. And, you know, even with the professionals like Pernelli Jones or the actors like Jim Garner, Steve McQueen, they were just like all the other people. It was just a real easygoing, laid-back, fun event.
2: always maintained a family atmosphere now spanning three generations it brings together young and old racing fans to a four-day rally from Ensenada to La Paz known as the happiest race on earth it's an experience they will never forget and one that's not found anywhere else in the world